What's up, party people? You know one of the worst things about being a self-employed performer? That's right, it's your tax. If you're sick and tired of collecting all your receipts and guessing your way through your tax rebate, well, I know the people that can remove the stress and make it as simple as five, six, seven, eight. That's right, it's Theat Accounts. They're an accounting company that specialize in working with performers. So they know all the things that we can claim back and it's so simple. You upload your invoices and bank statements to their website and they do all the work for you. It's cheap, it's easy, and once you try it, I guarantee you will not regret it. It has changed my tax life. Just email info at theataccounts.co.uk. That's theat, T-H-E-A-T, accounts. So again, that's info at theataccounts.co.uk. Make sure you tell them you're from the Ins and Outs podcast and you'll get some five-star VIP treatment. You will get treated like a king. Honestly, they've changed my life. They've made it so much easier. They've removed the stress from tax and they can do the same for you. Boom. What's up guys? Recently I've been working with an incredible company called Quiet Media. Quiet Media create beautiful video reels, vocal reels, self-tapes, music videos and many, many more. So if you're looking to capture your idea on a video or via audio, then Quiet Media is for you. Go to quietmedia.co.uk or find them on Instagram at quiet underscore media. That's quietmedia.co.uk or at quiet underscore media. Also, don't forget to tell them that you're from the Ins and Outs podcast to receive that special luxury treatment. I promise you, you will not regret investing in this company to help you capture your imagination or your creativity. That's quietmedia.co.uk. Pow. The Ins and Outs podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs podcast, I speak to David Cottle. David is a professional dancer and a choreographer. He teaches a class at BASE every Wednesday at, I think, 5 o'clock. So make sure you go and check it out. In this episode, we talk about his introduction to dance, what he loves about dance, uh, who inspires him. Uh, we just have an overall great chat. Um, I was super inspired, and I hope you are too. Uh, here is the incredible David Cottle. Did you hear that as well? I did. I always wondered that. Yeah, well, I've literally, where I've not used Zoom in like quite a while, because obviously we're back teaching in the studios and stuff, like all my settings have changed and it keeps like making noises and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I never used to do this. What on earth is going on? But she sounded polite. I like yeah. her. We'll, we'll call her Sally. Um, how are you, man? How's life? I'm doing really good, bro. Um, I feel like the recent sun has given me a lease on life pretty much. It just feels that way that everything now is great and lovely because the sun is out and it's always warm and nice. But yeah, other than the weather, I'm really good. Good, man. Like it's a, I feel like last year, right, when we were in lockdown, it was like we had so much sunshine and nothing to do. And then like now we've yeah. been like, you can go out and play, but we're not going to give you that much sun. So this week feels <laughs> like, it's like finally, like yeah. it's come. Do you know That's what I mean? So nice. Like even just socializing because... I've seen people like here and there and stuff, but like yesterday I was able to just go after class around the corner to the park and then saw a couple of people who didn't take class, but they were just out and about for a little bike ride. And it was like, hey, guys, yes, yes. You're living in London, right? Um, it's not quite London. It's kind of on the outskirts, like 
Uxbridge, but a little bit further. So nice, like, but just say, just say London and it. So yeah, say no London. Yeah, much um, that's dope. Because I guess then you get to reap the benefits of like, like you said, you know, you take class and then you get the social element. Like since leaving London, that's the one thing which I miss more than anything is like mm. my social life with the dance community or my, let alone just my friends. But like even like, oh, let's go to Nando's after class or let's yeah. like, you know, the hang. Like this so important in what we do is such a major part of it. And now like when I come up to London, it's like I'll drive like two and a half hours up like take class and then it's like i can hang for a little bit but i've still got to do that journey home mm -hmm. like you know it's such a long day and, and it's the one thing where i'll be like damn that's the one thing i miss about being in london is like just the social element yeah so you're living in cardiff now as well no i live in swin well <laughs> see i say swindon i live in a little village called Lynham. <laughs> so it's like an raf village uh oh. on the outside of swindon um so it's like bang in the middle between cardiff and london oh, um, nice it's where my my fiance is from so she's from here and i know the area really well because i went to college in swindon and now oh. i teach at wilkes so it's just kind of like a it made sense to try and buy here and then mm -hmm. i'm near enough to go to london when i need to but then i can see my family too yeah you know because okay. when i was in london like there was no, i never saw my family mm. like never and there was no way i could ever afford to buy there yeah it's just Not, ridiculous isn't it it's in, it's literally crazy um so bro i want to dive into your brain and like talk to you about dance and like your upbringing and how you got into it because it's really weird so today I was thinking about like how do I know David and then it come to me I was like I actually don't like I feel like I know you via social media and mm -hmm. you know that's the world we're in now right it's yeah. like you see someone so much on social media you're convinced yourself that you know who that person is yeah. and it's like I don't even think we've had it like a real introduction or like a hangout or yeah. any real dance social circumstance where we're together and i was like but if someone said you know david cottle my brain would go yeah <laughs> i know you know he, i know who he I, is yeah, i know what he does yeah and i know how he dances and i know you know his flavor and i can probably guess some of the things he likes mm. and you know i've that's what social media has kind of done to us hasn't it it's made us go oh i know that person but actually i don't and uh hearing you speak very to surface. john pardon it's very surface level isn't it very so and it's kind of by my own perspective because yeah. I'm making assumptions on what I see as a, not opposed to what you say. And then hearing you speak on the base podcast with John, I was like, yo, this guy's a very intellectual, clever motherfucker. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, dude, you spoke so well on there and, and it really inspired me to kind of, I was like, this feels like someone I should try and know at some point. And I didn't want to hit you up straight away because you hadn't long done that one. So I thought if I give a bit of a gap, um, maybe we won't cover the same topics or life circumstances may have changed. It might make it a bit more interesting if there's similar listeners. Um, yeah. And I, I believe that you have a way of thinking that I really don't. And you, you understand dance or you see dance in a specific way that I really don't. And that really fascinates me because I'm curious to learn more and I'm curious yeah. to be inspired. So I'm at the moment, I've been slacking on the podcast a little bit. So I've been teaching so much and the more I've been teaching, the more I'm, kind of looking at what other people teach and you know i have my personal preference of things i like and don't like but then i'm really trying to digest it and take a step back and go maybe i don't like it but and i'm not saying i don't like yours i'm just talking about dance as a spectrum mm -hmm. i actually really enjoy what you do but there's something there that maybe i don't understand or i don't resonate and what can i take from it you yeah. know what i mean so i kind of want to pick your brain and learn about your perspective and how you got into dance and what dance is for you because if yeah. it inspires others, I know it's going to inspire me. So if it doesn't inspire others, then fuck them. But <laughs> <laughs> a win for me. Um, yeah. So 
what what got you into dance like i know we briefly spoke the other day and you said your family yeah. are all musicians which i was like really mm -hmm. jealous um but what got you to start dancing i guess well my older sister was a gymnast um and i think i was probably around like nine nine or ten ten years old when i would just start to try and copy her at home and like do handstands here and there do cartwheels and just be like oh this is so cool like i just had a lot of energy so i'd throw myself around a lot and try different things and there was one day it was in I think I was year six and I'd never did any sort of like after school PE any of that ever but there was one day that I think maybe my mom was like 10 minutes late picking me up or something so I was like oh, I'll just go see what they're, they're doing in the hall and one of the guys who was a sub PE teacher at the time actually he was a b-boy as well so oh, sick. I don't I think he'd just kind of given up on like trying to do some sport and was just showing all the kids some b-boy tricks. And I was like, oh my god, what is this? Like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, it's like gymnastics, but kind of like cooler and less regimented. This is like so cool. Not in a leotard. Not in a leotard. I don't have to wear a leotard. So I just started kind of talking to him. And obviously I didn't really say a lot because I was an incredibly nervous 11-year-old who had no clue about the world. But I went home and told my mum about it. And she just got in contact with the guy and was like, is there any local schools anywhere that maybe my son could try and join in some classes, this, that and the other. And he recommended a place called iDance in Watford. So I started going there every Saturday with my best friend at the time. And it was literally just one class a week of an hour long kind of breaking, getting into like what that even meant. Like I didn't really yeah. know anything about it at all. But um, before we actually started that, there was a, because it was towards the end of the year when I was in year six and in the summer, they, I dance were doing a kind of like open workshop to try and just entice people to come and have a little taster session. And if you like, then sign up for their termly, their termly stuff. But they were doing it in, I think, Harefield Academy and Nikki Short was the woman who was te teaching the class and she's from a group called Wacticianers. And she was pretty much my first teacher. And they were, I was really into basketball at the time. And like, I basically copied whatever phase my older brother went through. And he was really into basketball at the time. It went from extreme like rock into like heavy metal into like basketball and Eminem and 50 Cent. It was like completely switched. And I'd just be like, yeah, cool. That looks cool. Let's try that. Yeah. So I was really into basketball. And she was doing in the summer like workshop thing. She was doing this kind of like routine of like street dance with basketballs. And then, and this is when like you got serve was coming out and I was well, just- My, my brain just went straight to high school musical, but okay. <laughs> it literally sounds just like high school musical, but in my head, it felt much more you got served, but yeah. it was very high school musical, <laughs> but I just felt much cooler than it was. And I just fell in love with it. I thought it was so cool. And cause I had like the little kind of handstands and cartwheels background, I was like doing a few tricks and trying to like show off. And then she was saying she recommended me to the the breakdance teacher, and then that was the start of it. Really, just once a week, every Saturday, just little bits here and there. But I found that I kind of really enjoyed it, and I had a kind of natural talent for it. Like I started progressing quite quickly, and I was like, you know what, this is actually pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I'm in year seven at the time, so everything is about school and friends. It's not really about dance, but. Even as I got into year seven, there was like a few kids here and there who do like crip walking, like sea walk in the playground at lunchtime and stuff. And I just join in with them and be like, oh, what are we doing, guys? What are we doing? What are we doing? How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 25. 25. Yeah. So you hit the Yugo served era kind of like everyone was doing the sea work. <laughs> yeah. Because that was for me like kind of when I was 
just leaving high school mm. that like everyone okay. was kind of hitting that phase and well, yeah. no one in my school hit that phase just me but <laughs> you know like one of those like it was a huge influence do you remember what about starting the dance do you remember about what about it that you loved because when i think back to like what made me fall in love with it it wasn't even so much the dance aspect it was uh being physical because i loved sport mm -hmm. and i loved being active because i'm not mm -hmm. a thinker i'm a uh, physical kind of being as opposed to my brain doesn't do stuff i just do it you know nice. without without a lot of thought um but that and combining it with music was it for me it was like oh this is kind of like football and this is kind of like rugby and kind of like running and all the things i like but i get to listen to cool music at the same time <laughs> you know and that was kind of the merge for me it wasn't so much the i am dancing concept yeah you know what i mean do you remember what it was for you that made you like i think it was kind of an aligning of multiple things like i was saying like the the kind of music that I listened to and the environment that I was in changed a lot because, like I said, I just follow whatever my brother did. So he got more into hip hop. So I started listening to more hip hop. And that was literally as I started getting into these classes and stuff. So those two kind of things in my kind of normal home life and this new interest of dance, they kind of aligned. So I was like, OK, this isn't kind of going out of my way to do this. This does feel quite natural with what I'm doing at the moment. I'll see where it goes. But I think I just really liked the the kind of visual of it. Like I thought it was so beautiful just visually and aesthetically, like seeing people do windmills and just like the pattern of it and the flow of it and the patterns, like I'm quite mathematical. I'm kind of like a blend between very mathematical and very like artsy mm. and seeing like the patterns that are in footwork, floor work in b-boying, all of the different ways you can kind of do something and reverse it and kind of try to play with the eye a little bit it just really interested me and i was like i want to be able to do that because i think it was if you know this just the boo school in paris mm -hmm. the owner of it bruce said something not long ago in an online class that i took which was quite interesting which is the reason he got into dance is because he kind of treats it like magic like he sees himself more of a magician than a dancer in a way like his job is to do things that like you don't think are possible and to just trick the eye like in an illusory sort of way. Mm. And I think that aspect is really interesting as well in the fact that it just takes one little interesting thing that you do to make someone go, oh, wow, like, shit, what was that? Like, yeah. And those little moments, I think, are so nice because I've experienced so many of those. So it's nice to be like almost now implementing that and trying to give that same level of inspiration, like you're saying, to other people through what we do yeah no that's dope how did it progress then from doing an hour's dance in a week to to being where you are now because i feel like that's the part where people um tend to get lost or they tend to go this isn't uh achievable mm -hmm. you know i i meet so many people growing up where like they you know dance is all they do and they love and especially from teaching so many and even teaching at colleges um you know that transition phase from it going from like a hobby to a profession is the part where people fall out of love or they can't maybe hack it. What was your journey from it being your hobby as a kid to where you are now? It was very gradual. It was year like three or four years of just doing the once a week. And after about a couple of years, because we were always early, we'd see the end of the, the street dance class, which is just kind of general street dance. Nikki Short was teaching that class. And it would be a little bit of house, a little bit of popping, locking. Oh, like real street dance. Yeah. 
because my street dance wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah, there's so many classes entitled street dance. You never yeah. know what you're going to get. But it was really good. She was a high quality teacher. And Omar Paloma, the guy who ran it, knew what he was doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I started joining in. They just said like, oh, jump in for the last 10 minutes. So I'd try and pick it up and see what they were doing. And then obviously told my mum, this class is really cool as well. I want to do this one. So then it would be two hours a week and started like seeing that there's more than just kind of doing cool spins and tricks on the floor. I can do all this stuff like groove exists, even though I had no groove whatsoever back then at all. Um, I think the next kind of phase from there was when I was maybe like 15 and I got into kind of like Keone Madrid, Sean Evaristo. If you remember Sean Evaristo, when he was choreographing Tae Yang, that mm-hmm. K-pop artist who was doing all those videos, me and my friends would just try and learn the choreos. And we would do, we actually did a couple of those choreos for like a school dance show, me and two of my friends. <laughs> Sick. Learned it from YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, one of us would learn it and it would rarely be me, but they would learn it. <laughs> I'd just be like there to learn the choreo and see what we do. But yeah. School dance shows were another little kind of pivotal milestone because it got me into performing a bit more, got me into kind of like shaping some sort of performance myself, like choreographically, even though the pieces aren't mine, at least the transitions and the shapes of it all. I was like, okay, this might look good. This might look good. Mm. And then I think I was, it was probably not long after that, really like 16 or so that I was making my own little choreographies and just trying to, create little things to music that I enjoyed. And I was a big, especially when I got to about 17, 18, massive Ian Eastwood, Brian Puspos fan. Mm-hmm. The and YouTube probably, era, right? You, yeah. you kind of in the YouTube era, same as me. Yeah. Big on that. So when I was seeing those concepts and the rise of the concept video, because it was just class videos forever, wasn't it? Like millennium mm. videos, pineapple videos. It was just the in Shot class. in the mirror. Yeah, <laughs> that was all it was. So, and I never really experienced, I wasn't really training as a dancer when that was, the main source of videos i'd just see the odd one here and there but i got into it a little more seriously when i saw like ian and brian making all these kind of concept videos even though it wasn't really conceptual it was just well, kind of dressed well shot yeah just okay. dressed nicely <laughs> and then i was trying to just think okay like how could i do that like they're doing different outfits like there's a feel for each of the song they've kind of captured the feeling of the song and then the choreo it's not just the choreo itself and started to think a bit more creatively that way and make little videos here and there. And I'd just get people who I'd be dancing with at 60 or actually at the time it was probably Huskies. I was taking class like every Wednesday, I think it was Keron, O'Neill and Robia, I want to say on a Wednesday, which was just a monster lineup. It's a solid Wednesday. (laughs) It's a solid Wednesday. (laughs) Wednesdays have always been solid. So that was like a big piece of my training that kind of influenced me as well, because here and there, like Keron or like Andy Vega, for example, would be doing a video. And because I was just keen as hell, I'd be in all the classes. They'd be like, oh, this little determined guy, just, do you want to jump in my little video? And I was like, yeah, every time I was like, concept video, let's go. Yeah, I'm so, Ian. <laughs> I'm Ian. I can be Ian. Even the hair, bro. Like you can see now. I was, yeah. I I bet you, did you have Vans on as well? Always, yeah. I Vans and skinny jeans. Vans and skinnies. That was all it was. And those trackies that were like drop crotch, but then tight yeah. hell on the calves. <laughs> I mean, we all went through that phase. <laughs> yeah, we all had that phase. I think, yeah, that was more or less until I left school. It was pretty much dominated by the kind of video and then just class here and there. Mm. And then I went to HDI when I think it was 2013 or 14. I think 2013 was the first year I went. And there was just so many moments that were so magical and made me think, wow, like, 
dance is so much deeper than I thought it was. Like the level of feeling that I get from it is just far more extreme than I thought was possible. I thought it was just this really cool thing that I enjoyed doing, but I was like, wow. Like there was, we're taking class all day, every day on campus with the same people building such a nice energy in a beautiful welcoming environment throughout the week. And there's parties in the evening. You're staying in the dorm of like six guys. So you get to know each other. You dance all the time. And I think it was the very last day on the last class or one of the last classes, Kaharu was teaching and she taught to Emotions by Mariah Carey, which is just like ultimate feel good track. And there was like two of us, 200 of us, sorry, in this giant hall at the culmination of all of that good vibes building throughout the week, dancing all together to this track. And it was just the ultimate like, okay, shit, dance is where it's at. This is what I need to, I need to at least look into it and commit to it a bit more because nothing else has made me really feel like that other than music and I'd had because uh, I was I wasn't 18 at the time but I remembered back to that moment when I finished school and I was 18 and I had like good A levels and stuff and I had a place to go to university for maths just straight maths so I was like secure I, I told you you're intelligent I just knew <laughs> it I was like this guy's brain doesn't work like mine <laughs> like, <laughs> don't gas me bro (laughs) I went and told them like I want to take a gap year so if you don't mind I want to defer my place if you'd still be happy to take me after the year I'd be very grateful and because I like exceeded the what is it the the kind of entry grades that they set to you I'd got them and more so I was like I think they should say yes and they said yes totally it's fine we want to have you at the university for this maths course and I was like great okay the place is there the plan b is there if i need it but i was very like i my brain just worked a lot even in the term even in the sense of like future thinking and almost in an anxious way though even when i was younger it'd be like i need security okay so i want the house i want this i want stability and just reverse engineer it where does that start okay good grades what's the next part probably a maths degree safe job many options security security it's done mm. and then i was like but i'm not taking into account what i actually like at yeah, all dance couldn't be any further from those things no like <laughs> no security no, no security, security no stability passion. <laughs> but yeah so i was like let me just try it for a year see what happens so i got a part-time job at waitrose trolley boy and cashier that was what i did gangster three days a week and it was funny because it wasn't massively busy and it was like a multi-story car park when I was pushing the trolleys and collecting the trolleys and stuff so when it was quiet I would just go down to the bottom floor play some music and dance Sick. and I'd just be there for like 30 minutes and I'd go back up and they're like where have you been we've been calling you for your break and I'd be like oh yeah yeah I was just getting the lower levels you know I was getting all the other trolleys yeah just chatting shit because I'd just go down there at 30 minutes at a time and just freestyle and then come back up it was never busy so you've but, been getting paid to dance for a while now yeah, man. <laughs> started early started early but um, that was just funding my like trips to London classes all day, every day. Like I was trying to take as many classes as I possibly could. And I was putting myself in myself in environments that like I wouldn't usually do. Like I was taking Sean Niles a lot. Live girl. Because I, I loved the again, like the patterns of it and the structure of it and the cleanliness of it. I, really I, I always say his is, his is like algebra of dance. Yeah. Like, cause the arm court, like essentially the weight transfers and the coordination of the arms don't feel natural for your body, but that's why he does it. 
yeah you know to put you in uncomfortable. a big lesson like figuring out what he's doing with his weight was hard as hell but I took his a lot and then he was going away to do dance 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 for three months and I'd done like maybe one class one or two classes at 68 covering people but then he was like do you want to cover for the whole three months that I'm away and I was like, Monday night, like prime time slot. You want me to cover your slot? I was like, yeah, man. If you think I'm ready, I'll do it. He was like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. This was what, 2014 or 15? No, this was later. This would have been... 16, oh, no. maybe. Like six years ago. Yeah, so probably like 16. Mm. I'd say, yeah, 16 or 15. Um, but yeah, so I did those three months and it was absolutely amazing. Like I, I knew that... I can break things down. I knew that I can deliver information clearly and precisely, especially when it comes to the music side, because that was my whole upbringing was music. So one of my pet peeves has always been when people give dodgy counts, or it's not even about counts, just even the rhythm itself, like the numbers are irrelevant. But even if like the rhythm itself isn't quite on, I'm just like, oh, yeah, you see that part? It's meant to be the da instead of the ding da yeah, <laughs> I was always just annoying guys in my head, like <laughs> couldn't let it go. But teaching was brilliant. I absolutely loved teaching. I loved the idea of just creating week after week and getting to see different people take on the the material as well and be inspired by the way they do it, and then come back to the drawing board and be like, okay, maybe a little more body next time, or just less hecticness and a bit more space to dance, and just trying to work out how to improve, like week in week out and he did that twice he went he came back for like a month and then went away for dance 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 again mm -hmm. and it was like three more months of teaching i was like yes mate let's go let's do it and that was pretty much the beginning of like getting into into teaching for me when i was i think 19 i'd say 19 or 20 which is young like to be yeah. to be holding a room especially in such a at the time a high caliber place you know yeah. 68 at the time was popping yeah like you know that's fucking dope and it's great that sean saw that and you you know what I, I will really give it to sean like the one thing he's always really seen is potential in people like mm. he helped me so much at the beginning of my journey i don't know if because he fancied me or <laughs> maybe <laughs> he's got fancy... he's white guys <laughs> yeah he, he loves he loves a straight white boy but <laughs> he loves the challenge but um yeah like he really did like and actually there's quite a lot of people if you speak to him you'd be like oh sean really helped me out and like sean was a huge you know, help for me. Like when I couldn't, when I moved to London, I couldn't afford class. Like I was broke as fuck. I used to jump the tube. I used to get off at Waterloo before there were gates, you know, and run past the guards. And I used to just hang outside pineapple and meet people. And he used to be like, oh, take my class for free. And I'd be like, what? And he'd be like, yeah, don't worry about it. And I'd be like, okay. Like, but to him, that was nothing. But to me, that was like, oh, I can train twice a week, yeah. you know, like for free, which is a huge deal. Like, and those little things where he sees like maybe a bit of spark in someone, he really, helps project them in the right direction yeah it was Again. so lovely man I was so grateful for that because yeah he was just such a nice dude like he could have easily been especially with the kind of style that he was teaching and the environment that he's in he could have easily been very up his own ass and yeah. I wouldn't blamed him because he's fucking incredible but it's so it's just a testament to his character, the fact that he was so like helping hand with and, and what's dope is he gave you the opportunity and you teach something very different to what he teaches. Exactly. Yeah. Like it wasn't both at a high quality, but not at all similar. Mm. So it's not even like if we you're not even catering to the similar demographic. Mm. 
unless people just want to go and get good dance training but you know a lot of time people go because they like a specific style or a specific way of movement is a preference mm -hmm. so that's super dope and it's so great that you got you utilize that opportunity because obviously since then you know your teaching has really excelled yeah it's been um, really good man i think what was sorry go on you think? i think the the first like international teaching job i got was pretty much off the back of having all those those classes because I had things to put out and I had little videos here and there and just a bit more kind of noise and then just one guy Sebastian from Mallorca he's his studio Empire of Dreams such a beautiful beautiful place and he contacted me and was like oh I want to bring you out in summer for a little workshop what do you charge and I was like uh, I didn't know this kind of thing exists. I didn't know this actually happens. Like, I don't know what to charge you at all. Like, I just teach at the studio on the Monday. So I was like, and Hazel was actually teaching as well. It was Hazel and Flaminia from Italy who were teaching that same event. So I just asked Hazel, I was like, like, what do, what do people charge? Like, what is the going rate for like workshops? I have not the slightest clue. So I was very much relying on the people around me. And I was lucky to have such amazing people around me to kind of guide me a little bit in, in that sense. But yeah, because there's not really like um, you know, there's not a formula when you not when it comes to like rates and stuff for teaching. It's not like going into the dance industry where you're like, okay, these are your kind of standard rates. Whereas with teaching, yeah. it's like you know, if you teach at a class at a studio, it's whatever pound per hour. But if you're hosting a workshop, there's I've seen all different sides of the spectrum. I've seen people which charge absolutely through the roof, people yeah. which are undercharging, and then people which are normally somewhere in the middle. You know, yeah. but there's no kind of this is what it should be. Not at all. Yeah, it's very much dependent on how you value what you're giving at the workshop. Yeah. But yeah, I had no clue. And I was very much um, just kind of, I wasn't really deeping what I was doing or trying to, I wasn't really trying to value what I was doing either. I was just enjoying it a lot. Mm. So I didn't really know even the ballpark to start yeah. thinking about rate wise, but yeah that's another thing in time yeah ne neither did i i was exactly the same i used to ask people i used to ask john graham yeah I'd be like, how much should i do and he'd say and i'd be like well i'm not you so <laughs> i think i can charge that i got a little bit less um <laughs> especially at the beginning you know um but no man that's dope in terms of when you you know obviously you had this opportunity to go to university you're very intelligent you're above all the grade requirements when you took that choice to actually go no i'm going to follow my passion and stuff I'm assuming, but I just, I'm curious, how was like your family? Were they supportive of that decision? Cause you know, to step away from, you know, very good grades, if that could have been a very great future for you to take the choice to go the other way. I know a lot of families aren't very supportive of that, but with mm. your family being artists as well, was that like accepted? Interestingly, no, it was the other way around. Cause it's funny that, um, like my dad has been a session musician, arranger, producer, all this stuff his whole life. And it's more or less the same industry just from a musician's perspective. Like we do all the same kind of jobs pretty much. Yeah. But he was, my mom was super supportive because she's just, if you if you want to do it, you can do it. And yeah. that's enough. Do you want to do it enough? Work hard then. You can do it. It's fine. But I think my dad was just very skeptical on if there's really any money in the industry because he knows from his side that in terms of the music industry nowadays for young people it's not really an industry like there's not really session musicians anymore there's not really studios that are 
you're going into the studio every day and like playing on this guy's album or this guy's album because for one albums aren't the main source of money for musicians anymore now it's tours albums don't really sell anymore and two everyone's doing everything from home you have bedroom producers who are taking over the music industry and i know from his side it was just a part of that side of like i don't want it was just the side of like trying to look out for me and look out for what's best for me and he didn't think that there was just any money to be made in it like it's not a career it's a beautiful thing and an artistic form lovely all that's well and good but just that there's not enough really prospects of it but it took time until I started like making money and booking these odd jobs and then when I started booking like big commercial jobs it was like okay so there are gigs to be had and there's different things you can do on the side like you can teach on the side and then work these commercial jobs whenever and if ever they come in because they're always sporadic for me at least Um, but yeah it did take time but I think there was a definite turning point in that first gap year that I took I say first because I didn't go to university but the the first year still holding your place (laughs) yeah I might go back 27 maybe but um yeah I think it was kind of midway through that year that Wildebeest was doing some like online uh, auditions for his first camp that he was doing which is Wildebeest in Los Angeles and I'd met him at that first HDI or I think it was the, the following year the second HDI and I did like a showcase on the final night and he came up to me and he was like man I love your choreo all this and didn't really stay in touch with him but I'd sent in that piece that I did and was like oh I wonder if you remember this from HDI blah 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 that was my audition and he replies back like oh my god I totally remember you man this is amazing mm-hmm. uh, stay posted and then he posted something else which was like um I want you to audition like post the choreo that I'm going to teach so I posted the choreo waited a little while and then he was like I want you to come if you can afford your flights and your your accommodation and that you've got the whole camp for free so just come you can train with us like with the company and that was just a sick experience like that was the first time I went to LA as well and I didn't think that that was really a thing but I was like oh shit I'm going to LA just to dance what the hell like out of university for maths to dancing in LA for free I was like what the heck and I made a proper trip out of it it was only a week camp or something but I went for like a month and a half and just started taking class at ML of course I could have guessed that I would have put all my money that you were just gonna say ML yeah of course and it was just magical because I'd seen videos of ML like and I'd seen all these classes and I just couldn't believe when I actually stepped through the door and I was in the waiting area. I was like, oh my God, I'm actually here. That first feeling like I got off the like, plane and went there. It's like pure adrenaline, isn't it? That first feeling. Oh, it's amazing. I remember and my it, first time going and looking around and being like, there's that dancer. There's that dancer. There's, you know, like it is a, such a surreal feeling. And I feel like people who don't experience that, like there's something about that first moment where you go into somewhere that you've been maybe dreaming about going like yeah. mine was more millennium than it was ml but i had the same feeling in ml but i remember millennium walking down the corridor and seeing all the teachers photos on the yeah. wall and all the artists that rehearsed there and i was like oh my god like there's my amazing isn't it? and like yeah you know, crazy it's so nice and just the energy there was so welcoming it just felt so good and the standard obviously there is just insanely high and the percentage of people who are at an insanely high standard is really high. So it's like it almost forces you to pull up and forces you to really, really exert yourself. So that whole month there felt like 10 HDIs to me. And I was just like, this is 
fucking amazing. Like this is the kind of work rate that I know I'm capable of. So I need to bring this back to London with me. And I felt like that whenever someone would go to LA from the community and come back and teach, you would always feel like they're fired up when they're teaching. Like I remember Jason, mm. when he went to LA one time, not long after that, I think, came back. And then when he was teaching at 68, it was just schooling everyone. Like, nah, your dynamics are shit. Like, come on, try harder. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, try harder, man. Yeah. <laughs> I need that kick up the ass sometimes. I feel like just to go on a bit of a side tangent, it's so relaxed these days and there's no none of that really tough love anymore, which is actually so good. We really need that every now and then to balance things out. It can't just always be medals for mediocrity. We do love a medal. We love a participation trophy <laughs> yeah. at the moment in the <laughs> UK. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing at the moment where we congratulate people on being an intermediate level. Yeah. And but anyway, back to yeah. that. So so far, back to the the LA stuff. It was a proper amazing trip, and the camp itself was unbelievable. And wildebeest brought me in on like these random important meetings, and it was just me and all the board members there. And I was like, why am I here? Like it was the same thing. I think he just saw some sort of potential, and then they did a, a end of week end of camp like showcase where they had different people sign up if you wanted to jump in they had all these amazing kids doing ridiculous like proper five minute solos to like speeches and stuff and it was like yeah. mind-blowingly good and then the Amabee's company did a little set at the end and he asked me to choreograph one of the pieces for it and this was when I was like 19 so I was like bricking it I was like what the fuck am I gonna do like I don't even know what to do so I just came up with some like stylistic choreo that I was into at the time which is bare hands and all uh -huh. sorts of little shapes and little intricacies and I showed it to him and he just helped me like fix it a bit here and there and then taught it to the whole group and this is a group of like Jade all these other killers that I'm used to seeing online and I'm like I'm teaching them my choreo like what is going on and just having that experience made me like I'm getting my foot in the door and I can feel it there's no point just taking it out and going to university there's just no point in doing yeah. that. Like if I really wanted to, really, truly wanted to, I will always have those grades and I can always go. Mm. But I need to just, especially because dance is such an age limited career and it's three sure. years, three years can be a long time in a dancer's career. So I was like three years of uni or three years of pursuing what could be truly amazing. It has to be the amazing thing. Yeah, uh, you did the right decision. And you're so right. Like you can use those grades at any point. They don't diminish, they don't disappear. You know, you might just have to reapply somewhere mm -hmm. like, you know, at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. And our careers are so precious, like they're so short. And even people who have a long career on the, sp on the span of your life is such a short amount of time. Say you start working at 20 and you finish at 35, you're like 15 year career. Like that's a long career, but it's not on the scheme of careers that people do. Like it's really not that long of a time. I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about athletes and they were saying if an athlete has four years as a career, like they've done well. And I was like, fuck, like, I, I see us as artists, but I see us as athletes too. Like, I really do, because, you know, we put our bodies through so much. I was like, fuck, like, I've danced for a living for, like, 12 years now, I think. Okay. Like, and you know, you're like, shit, like, sometimes you need to give yourself a pat on the back and go, fuck, yeah. like, you made your passion, even though it's not, you know, highs and lows, you end up hating it some days, or you mm -hmm. not might not always be doing the, the artistry that you wish to do, or you wish to deliver but you know we do what we love for a living and you're right like this three years is a huge amount of time like three years was my beginning to before i went to la 
you know, mm. I got a visa in that time, like three years is huge. And then I did three years in LA, like that's two major parts of my journey in my life. So like, even though three years in life, we don't, we don't think it's that long. It's such a huge amount of time for what we do, because like you said, it's very limited. Yeah. And it's good that your brain saw it that way when, when you have not better options, but safer options. Totally safer. Yeah. You know, like I, I never say better. Cause I do believe we have the best lives ever, even when they're shit, it's still pretty decent. Even if I'm teaching 10 year olds who can't clap into music, I still go getting paid more than people do to go to Asda's for the yeah. day, yeah. To, you know, like to music, I control the narrative. Like I could still pretty all right. Even if this is worst case scenario. Totally. That's something that I think is so important as well that I've had to try and remind myself recently is because there's some days that I really, truly hate it. Like really, truly, yeah. like, especially when it comes to creating just because I've spent so much time committed the last kind of couple of years or so a few years to like freestyle and exploring that side of kind of instantaneous creation that when it comes to choreography nowadays sometimes it just feels so wrong to me it feels so like once you once you structure something in pieces it loses the essence of what it was as a whole like a freestyle for example mm. and i've struggled to find like some purpose at times with choreography like it becomes super existential to me and i'm like what is choreography why is choreography and i'm just like can't fathom like what i'm doing or why like sometimes it just feels like moves for moves sake mm -hmm. and i need to just like take a step away and just come back to it when i'm slightly more gratuitous gratuitous and appreciative of the fact that i'm in a position where i get to create things for other people and for myself and i can make money from it mm. and it doesn't need to be anything i shouldn't have any expectation if other people have expectations that's on them and that's nothing to do with me mm. and i should just try to enjoy the process of it more than the amount that i think i'll enjoy the result of it because mm. it's always going to be that way like the result portion is so even more short-lived it's like so instantaneous and it's just done. So the process has to be something enjoyable. Mm. Otherwise, you're not really going to enjoy that. And the part that you think you're going to enjoy because you worked really hard, even though you didn't enjoy it, is going to be so short lived that it's not really going to count for much anyway. Mm. You know? Yeah. When you're creating, when you're, say you're trying to put something together to teach for class or for a piece. No, maybe not for a piece, more for class. Do mm. you, do you try and create as a visual aspect or a how it feels aspect because i know for me i used to be very visual based mm. and the older i've got the more i care about what it feels like to dance and if i actually enjoy what it feels like on my body so now it may not be the most visually pleasing choreography but it feels nice to me and that's now become so much more important than the visual aspect same i was definitely definitely similar like like i was saying i was massively into ian and brian and they were pure pure visuals, pure wordplay, pure look behind the images and what can you find? Like it was all about the images, mm. but yeah, taking classes like Leroy's, Leroy Kerwood, for example. And I started taking this class early into my like kind of training when I was an adult made me realize like, wow, there's just so much more to it than focusing on what it looks like. Cause I, there's enjoyment to be found in both. I find pleasure in executing something that I know 
is visually pleasing because it mm-hmm. feels that way doing it and I receive pleasure from seeing it executed in that way I'm like yes I enjoy this this is good but it's a different level of enjoyment when you're actually enjoying the doing of it it's the same thing I was just talking about like if you enjoy dancing it then you're enjoying the process of it if you just enjoy how it looks you're more enjoying the result of it Mm. and it's the same as you bro like as I've progressed and gotten a bit older I'm like if I'm not feeling it what am I doing because mm. mine came from doing from working that's where I got that from because at first I was like you know I just wanted to be a working dancer I just wanted to be the guy that you see on every job I never wanted to be the best dancer I just wanted to be on jobs because that's what made me fall in love with the idea of being a professional is to dance on x factor or be the guy on telly and the more I did that the more I'd be like like you learn combos that you know or you work with choreographers that they're not bad choreographers but it doesn't feel nice on my body the yeah. visual aesthetic I understand you're creating for a visual perspective. You're creating for TV. You're creating for this, but how it felt to actually execute and dance for two days in rehearsals. I never enjoyed that. I understood there's a bigger picture behind it than what it feels like to me. So I'm not judging you that it's not good choreography. It's just not, not what I'm enjoying. And then I'd always be like, but I dance cause I enjoy it. Like I choose to dance cause I enjoy it. And I'm not enjoying how this feels as dance i'm enjoying the company and i'm enjoying the job and the, the wage sometimes and the you know but like actually if i bring it back to a pure level of like what i love this isn't what i love yeah you know what i mean and the older i've got the and the less kind of jobs i've been doing the more i've kind of gone you know what like i want to dance stuff that feels nice to me so it may not be the popular thing it may not be what ticks the boxes it may not be the thing that gets me on jobs but it's just now it's about keeping that fire lit it's about keeping that passion lit because after doing it for say my first seven years as a career, I started to fall out of love with it. And it's because I wasn't keeping my fire lit. I was doing what's going to pay my bills, which was more the visually pleasing stuff as opposed to yeah. do I enjoy the content? Yeah. You know, and now oh, it's completely opposite. It's like, how do I keep that fire light? Yeah. And it is hard to find a middle ground. Like, I don't know if <laughs> such a middle ground exists. I feel like it's kind of just, you have to almost do both and balance both yeah it's not really an ex- a place that exists in between where it's fruitful there it kind of are but it's just so hard to find that place i think if you can find the balance i guess of being a creative or teaching then yeah. you're going to get to do the bit you enjoy and then if you're someone who like say you're like uh, let's say alex chambers he has a perfect example he works a lot commercially so you know let's just pretend he doesn't enjoy the feel i have no idea i'm sure he does but like say he's ticking that performance box that fulfills that side and financially and it's a job but he's also getting to create every week and do the stuff that feels good for him so he's ticking that box and i feel like that's a really good balance totally and i think that is it you just have to take what's available and figure out the way in which balancing it makes sense for you because for some people they can just be pure 80% this and just 20% of that. And they're happy because this mm. means more to them mm. than that stuff. Or this is enjoyable and feels really good naturally. Cause some people just love performing and love doing all that kind of stuff, which is great. Mm. But this everyone's is going to be different. Everyone's form or an idea of that balancing place is going to be very different. Mm. And for me, it's yeah, I'm starting to find that I really love this side. And I don't know where I fit in this side. Mm. I don't know where my place is for it or if I'm desired in it even. And if I were, 
would I even care to be in it? Mm. Or should I just put most of my eggs in this and try and move this to the middle instead of trying to bleed both into the middle? Mm. Hard to know, really. It's, have it's, have it's, you had many experiences where you're like, you know, you're doing a job or you're working for a TV show or whatever, where you're like, actually, this I don't enjoy this. And it's not because of for any particular circumstance. It just might not be this isn't what I enjoy. Mm. I, I don't know if I'd say there's been any that I haven't enjoyed quite luckily, because I know some jobs can be absolutely horrendous, but there's been none that I've done that have not been enjoyable. I've always been able to pull at least lessons or something valuable from each experience. And they've all been with good people. So I've, mm. I've had like a good experience all around, but there's definitely been jobs when like I did capital summertime ball, which is like Wembley, like 180,000 people. Jaquel Knight was choreographing the group that we were dancing for. But and I was like with one of my best friends, like on the job, like it couldn't have been better. But it just didn't fulfill me massively. I was like, all of the, the criteria are ticked. Massive venue, good wage, one of the best choreographers in the world, great people on the job, good, like um, good hours. Like it wasn't mad stressful. Yeah. But I remember just getting off stage and be like, oh, yeah, that was sick. Cool. You go for a pint and I, I wasn't like deep in it like that was the biggest best performance of my life like my dream has come true and so for some people that's the way it is which is amazing but for me it just didn't really like mm. blow my mind it was just a nice job like yeah great good times cool on to the next but it was never really like I don't know if I just I just don't love it like that like the performance mm. side when it's something that isn't really me anyway yeah no i feel you and i'm not i didn't mean to say earlier like not enjoy a job because it's bad i just think that you put you pull you know some jobs what makes the job great is the the group of people you're with yeah, you know, yeah sometimes yeah. what makes a job great is the just the steps sometimes yeah. it's the music you know and those negative moments within a job they don't i guess determine the job but for some reason they are a lot of the time the things that we remember because you know yeah. we know we love dance <laughs> we expect to love dance yeah um so as a creative do you see yourself trying to push as more of a creative for like you know into the commercial world or into the just more than being a teacher i should say yeah this is literally what's been on my mind kind of the last year which is where do i want to be and how do I want to use my talents? And where is there space for me to use them? Um, one main thing for me, it's a kind of big umbrella goal, is to really meld my love for music and my love for dance. And because music is such a, it just means a lot in so many ways, like family, upbringing, nostalgia, and just the love for the music. Mm-hmm that it's like I would love to be able to meld that with what I'm doing currently because if I if I don't kind of bring it in it just feels like an injustice almost like music is what we dance to so why not have them kind of meld together a bit more so I've been making a lot of my own music the last kind of year or two three years actually and I'm gradually slowly releasing bits and bobs but I'm very precious over it and I'm Mm. very like oh I could sound better in, in a month's time my mixing skills would be better so I'll come back to it and mix it better mm. but it's just the perfectionist paradox but I definitely would like to do something either be it a series of visuals 
almost like music videos to my own songs where I kind of come up with a conceptual idea and whether it's more visual based or choreographic or improv based, create dance visuals to a series of my own, my own tracks. Mm. And then possibly after that, or in a way use that as promotion to set up like a stage show. Cause I think the only place that I can see something like this existing is like in the theater, mm. a theater. <laughs> so, the West End in the theatre so something that would be like a show or some sort of loose narrative that's interconnecting I'd love I love like anthology kind of series like almost like Rick and Morty if you've seen that cartoon where they have ways like to go into different multiverse worlds and kind of see different things I'd love to do something like that where maybe actually no I'm not going to start spilling stories because then I'll I'll give away all my ideas but something that's like telling different stories or different perspectives that interconnect some way through my own music and through my own direction if not choreography if not me dancing in it as well mm. i think would be super cool no i, I love storytelling just as a whole like any form of storytelling i'm a massive massive comic book guy like i love comic books and just that medium of storytelling inspires me so much that i'm like I want to do something similar visually with dance, if possible, just mm. getting stories across. And I've been to like seeing Boy Blue and people like that in, in these shows. And it's amazing the things they leave you with. And it's like, oh, wow, like it's different for everyone, but it touches you in some sort of way and makes you think of something and will make the person sitting next to me think of something else, but it touches us equally deeply. And I want to be able to tell stories that leave people with questions or with reflections mm. i think that would be a nice thing no definitely or um, do you know uh oh, i can't think of his last name now how bad is this tap dancing fred fred's there no <laughs> him too uh do you know christabel field no i don't think so uh, so uh, i've had him on the podcast as well how bad is that i forgot his last name what a douchebag um so his name's fred and he was the similar thing so he was like he was just like I want to create, I want to make a story. I want to make a show. And he made his own little show. And I did a podcast with him on here and he told me about it. It was super dope. And he made his own show and just put it in a little theater, like got like a little grant, put his own little show together, a little theater, boom, twos, twos, it becomes a production. Like, wow. cause it does well, like, you know, and it's things like that, which is just a little idea and being brave to take the step and yeah. do that, you know? And like, I, I really want to try and speak to um, Kate Prince same thing you know what sparked that idea how do you make those things happen because mm -hmm. as creatives i believe we all get these ideas you know if you're a creative person we all get ideas it's just the willingness to push through or to take a risk or totally everyone has amazing ideas the only difference between the good artists and the great artists is the ones who actually try them mm -hmm. like we'll have amazing ideas 100%. all the time i have amazing idea every day well i think it's <laughs> You know, and then sometimes I'll say it to someone else and they look at you and you're like, oh, and then it, I wimp out. And maybe sometimes I should be like, I should have just gone with that. Mm. Like, even when I first wanted to start the podcast, like people looked at me like, you're crazy. And I was like, mm -hmm. nah, I feel like it's the right thing to do. I love chatting shit. I'm not scared to say something wrong. Like, mm. I have no filter, like, but I love dance and I my intentions are pure. Like, you know, it's like you have to just weigh up the odds and it's like I might upset people, but. And I imagine you are so happy that you actually did choose to do it and you're here down the line doing more and more. Yeah, best, best thing I ever done. I just wish it paid. 
but that'll come gradually because <laughs> yeah. it costs a lot to do yeah unless you have zoom zoom has made life a little easier that's good for sure no man i think it's dope um when you're creating so this is what i, what I meant to ask you earlier uh your class is called choreo and concepts concepts and choreo baby concepts and choreo i flipped it um <laughs> when you say concepts yes when you put that together do you mean that the choreo is built from a concept or do you work on two things separately within a class both sometimes i'll um spend kind of the first 30 minutes or 40 minutes working on a concept like threading or isolation or specific kind of pathways or ways to execute things more of like a how than a what mm -hmm. and then i'll provide the what in a choreo and a sequence of or a structure and then they can implement the things we've been working on in that and that was the original idea to kind of have a half and half sort of class structure but since i came back i just had pieces that i wanted to test out on people and they are kind of built on different concepts but it's not so conceptual based it's more just kind of my choreographic language because i'm trying to build more of an understanding of what my choreographic vocabulary is mm -hmm. which has meant kind of looking back at old videos and trying to take parts of it that i like and that i can still see in my dance these days but for instance like today the the class i'm going to be teaching is pure polyrhythms so i'm just mm -hmm. going to be doing pure coordination stuff and just a whole hour and a half of different drills different ways to play with rhythm that isn't just on a two or a four which is nice and easy and divisible but ways to actually catch yourself off guard catch other people off guard and I feel like it just opens so many doors. Like when I was taking Brian Green's class, he did something which was extending a loose legs. So loose legs is in a four part step, right? One and two and three and yeah. four. And, and he was saying, how can we extend this and cross over the beat? If it's not in a two or a four, then we'll cross over it on an odd count and it will be something nice. So try to add like a fifth element, like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And then the beat is in four, four, three, four, but we're going one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And it crosses over nicely. Then you start doing it double time or like double certain steps, like da da di da da di di da 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 di da di di da 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 di da da di di da. Still in one, two, three, four, five, but just doubling different ones and going into it in kind of a micro way and just looking at how I can, how it's all about how, how I can implement different things on my what can change it completely mm. like that's what i like to do and that's what i'm pretty much doing today is taking loads of basic small layers and concepts that are super easy and broken down individually very doable but then trying to meld them together you end up with something that's complex and much deeper than if you were to go from zero to deep mm. like some like myself included will try to do like complex stuff out of nowhere and just create complexity when in reality the best way to do that i'm learning is to do it through multi-layered basics instead of just trying to come up with something that's immediately hard layer multiple basics that are easy and you have something hard that's rooted in foundation as well mm. and it just makes so much more sense and it gives you so many more pieces that are applicable outside of that one polyrhythmic drill that you've made you can take any individual part of it 
and then create a whole new drill based on that or a whole do a whole freestyle based on just the way that you used your hips in that drill for example mm. what made you start thinking in this way or have you always thought in this way about dance i've pretty much always thought this way because being a drummer it was like one foot's doing one rhythm one foot's doing another rhythm one foot's doing one hand's doing another rhythm, the other hand's doing another rhythm. so it's complete like rhythmic independence in my limbs mm. like to a scary degree when i think about this stuff it was like doom, chita, doom, chita, doom, chita, doom, with the feet and the hands are going all at the same time and when i'm thinking like that's the stuff i used to do i'm like why don't i just try and implement that in dance however way i can it doesn't have to be as immediately complex as that but just start introducing myself to the idea of working with polyrhythm mm. and it's probably i'd say the last year that i've been doing it a bit more seriously because i've just been had fuck all to do at home covid yeah. lockdown so i've been training a lot and just training on what i like to do and how i would like to train because often i'm just a sucker for information like i'm a sponge i love information so i'll go and pay for like mr wiggles patreon for a month and do get as much from him as i can i'll mm. do sean's popping classes for like a month i'll do these little online intensives that have been popping up everywhere instead of trying to just look within and be like, how can I train myself? Cause I know I can train myself and get a lot. And it would probably be more beneficial in the process than just kind of expecting to be spoon fed in a way. Mm. No, it's dope, man. Like you, you think on a very, um, I don't mean this patronizing way, but on a very mature level, you know, for a 25 year old, you know, most of the time a 25 year old is trying to, you know, get clout get viral <laughs> I like, feel you know, like you know I what like i mean I'm not even mature <laughs> no, like... but, but but that's the you know the the era we're in i guess you know we're in the tiktok era like mm -hmm. we're in the what can we do to go viral for a second and actually the stuff that you're talking and i even saw your dance challenge yesterday and i was like that's so fucking good like yesterday day before one of yeah them. Couple days um, i was like even that like like that's probably not gonna go viral that's because people can't do it you yeah. know but to me like i always say quality sees quality right mm. and you that might not go to the masses but only really fucking dope intelligent dancers are going to look at that and understand it mm. do you know what i mean yeah and i i barely scratched that surface because i looked at it and i was like i get it but i'm gonna struggle to do it you know <laughs> like i barely tip over the edge but like there's something great about that and i was like I don't know. And that's how I know you're, I knew you're an intelligent guy. Cause I was like, you're not just doing, putting out something to, to get clout or to go viral mm. or to do something. You're actually doing something to better people and you're doing it in a, a fashion of that's easy as accessible. Yeah. And I think there's honestly room for both. Like I was having a conversation with, I think Leroy actually yesterday saying about all these, these easy challenges and these challenges, these easy mm -hmm. dance crazes and dance trends are cool i'm here for it i like them they're fun we should enjoy dance just as much as we should challenge ourselves and take it seriously we need to not take it seriously sometimes as well 100 mm. but balance same with everything mm. balance it out especially if you are a professional dancer especially in the now era of we deserve more respect than we receive in the industry and from the masses if you want that show them why you deserve respect show your mm -hmm. skill show your talent show why you're so desirable and why we can't just get 
old matey boy who's got 100,000 followers to do a dance job just because he's mm. done a few TikToks. He's not a dancer. Mm. Yet the people who are dancing and can do some mad shit, how are you going to know who are those people when everyone's doing the same thing? Mm. You're not. Like, it hurts me when I see, like, dancers who've, like, toured the world with, like, my favourite artists or done things which I dream of or people that I highly respect and they're doing, like, shit that I see 10-year-olds doing. I'm like, I, I understand why you're doing it, but I'm like, you don't have to. Like, yeah. you, you, why are you trying to win over an audience who don't understand you? you know, like, 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 why are you trying to win over an audience that they don't know that you're not, they think you're the same as the 10-year-old. They have no idea about how good you are. Like, exactly. nurture that keep that for you like show how good you are don't dumb yourself down to cater for them make them try and pull up to you totally and i think there's there's strategy in it like you don't have to if you are if you are one of those dancers for example or just a highly skilled dancer you don't have to only post highly skilled crazy things that no one can do not that it's about trying to get other people to do what you do you can also just post cool things that only you can do to mm. just show that you're mega skilled that's great as well but there is strategy in it that i do understand which is doing these trends doing these challenges to bring in more people to bring uh, in the masses and the finance like you're getting paid finance. for this shit now like mm -hmm. on like uh i spoke to michelle patrick on here and he was saying like you know uh tiktok is a it's a revenue you know like my friend sarah named sarah underwood she's got a huge tiktok following she's ne probably never been paid to dance in her life like she's just a a mum who's like happens to have a passion for dance and she's like huge on tiktok and she makes like five six hundred pound a month from doing tiktok videos and they're like these little challenges and stuff so then i get i get torn because i'm like yo there's there's starving dancers which haven't paid their rent this month you know which could do that challenge easy and then i go so i get kind of maybe why it's an easy income if you make it right yeah. but <laughs> at the same time i'm torn because it's like you're so much more than that totally and i think it's great to do those things to bring in new audience and to build the numbers but it seems to be that people are just doing things to bring in numbers it's like there's never a purpose it's not like i'm bringing in all these new audience members all these new followers by doing these trends and these challenges so that they see me and i create a larger following to which i can now give my real shit my creative shit to more people and then I can go do the same thing, build up my engagement, do more challenges and then release my stuff, my real stuff that I care about to a larger audience and just continue doing that balance. I understand that. But it seems that nowadays it's all just a numbers game, which I understand because it is just a numbers game, even more so than it's ever been. It's just a numbers game. But what I want people to hopefully reflect on <laughs> if you are listening to this is why what is the point of having all those followers why do you want to have those followers how are you going to use that platform if not for yourself then for something bigger than yourself either or it's cool to do either or but if you're doing it for yourself do it for more than just numbers like who cares if you got 25k who cares if you got 100k you're gonna die one day <laughs> no yeah. one cares about the numbers they do not mean anything use them for something like bring in 5k by doing a challenge and then do some cool shit or spread a message or tell a story mm. instead of just bringing in numbers for the sake of more numbers i don't get it yeah preach <laughs> it's like i got seventeen thousand followers and most of them are because i did dream boys so they're just dream boys fans and they're chicks who like 
you know they just follow you because they've seen you in a show take your top off but like actually i'd rather have 500 followers which are actually there for me and my what right. i do as opposed to going i like looking at him mm-hmm. and i'm grateful for those people you know what i mean like they paid for a ticket to come yeah. and perform so essentially they paid my mortgage but like you know what i mean i want people i'd, I'd rather the authenticity totally and then it's like if you post a dream boys video or a photo or a throwback oh it goes blows up. and then if you post something about a podcast or what you care about it's like no one's actually nothing i do i'll post a combo and no one gives a fuck i'll post a picture <laughs> of me shirtless and my instagram is booming and you're like <laughs> exactly this ain't what i'm here for you know yeah. like but it's part of the game it's part of the totally the social media world at the moment um you should uh you should meet up and train with john because he does a lot of like kind of polyrhythm kind of stuff I've been meaning to actually chat to him because since the since the podcast and this was obviously before everything was opened, I'd said to him like, "Let's go for a pint sometime." Like it'd be good to just have a chat and because I've mm. the same same with him. Like I've seen him in passing and here and there in classes over the years, like very very briefly. Mm. But the base podcast was the first time I actually chatted to the guy, and I was like, mm. and I know who he is, and I'm just like, this guy has a lot, and I'd love to just like he's very that. similar. To, he's very similar to you in a sense, like he's very intelligent. And he's a numbers guy. He's maths. So speak to him. You do, you guys can talk about maths all day. <laughs> like you got someone that's going to understand what you're saying. Um, but no, like you should, because you're both very intelligent. Like I, I, I hold a lot of value and respect to my friendship and being able to learn off John for such a long time. I do think if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be the the man or the dancer I am now. Nice. Um, but I definitely think that you two connecting, like you'd come up with some really cool shit. Cool. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get on it. You definitely should. Um, I ask this to everyone, but I feel like I know your answer already, but I'm going to do it for the listeners because they probably won't know. Um, so imagine aliens. Oh, you're like this. You're like comics. Uh, imagine aliens came from outer space. I'm with you. Yeah, they come down because t- there's a lot of aliens going on like in the world right now, apparently. Uh, so they come down. They got a gun and they, they capture you and they go, David, they, they meet you at base tonight <laughs> after class. They go, David. Before you go for a pint, you need to give us a representation of dance. One human who is the representation of dance. Otherwise, I'm going to blast you and COVID everyone. And you have to give one person to save planet Earth. One person who's a representation of dance. For you. Wowzers. But I feel like I know your answer, but I'm going to let you answer it. And then I'm going to tell you if I was right or wrong. That is a big old, big old question, you know, when I start, to, when I think about these questions or when I think about like top threes, top fives, it, my brain just goes, just listing out, scrolling through all mm. of these amazing people. I'm just like, how do I even decipher between these people? I know the best is <laughs> I, I asked Nikki Tro and she was afraid she was going to offend people by not. Being <laughs> <laughs> um, of dance. Uh... <clears throat> I've had some good answers. People have given me, uh, Teresa Espinosa gave me Prince. I was like, okay. Wow, that's an interesting one. Yeah, but she's she spent a lot of time with him, so she knows more than I do. So I was like, okay, cool. Oh, I've had MJ from a few people. I've had different dancers. It can be anyone. Oh, this is such a big question. I did want to go MJ doesn't count or Prince because they're already there. But hmm. okay, let me just check one thing. I can't say someone's name without a surname, but one person I would say is brian green that's who i thought you were gonna say. <laughs> which is who i thought you thought i would say i would have to say yeah brian's definitely one of them because he just lived it and breathed it 
mm-hmm. especially culturally what we're used to. Um, but someone who I truly, truly love watching and who has made me feel crazy, crazy things is Toyin. And I'm going to try to say her surname, Toyin Sogunro, uh-huh. who is just one of the most beautiful. House spirit. dancer. Yeah, she dances a lot of different stuff. I'm going to stick. Yeah. I know her as a house dancer. In this chat for she you. She used to date Frankie, right? Correct. And there's just a few videos I've seen where she just gets completely lost, like lost in the dance of it all and just the the spirit of it all. And it's things like that that I'm like, okay, wow, this stuff is so much deeper than deeper than all the stuff that we do. It just so. goes beyond physical, like literally beyond the physical realm. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, she's definitely one. But there's so many, bro. There's so so many people. Dude, oh my goodness. There's so many. But sometimes I'm I'm prepared to judge people by their answers. I haven't. <laughs> I, I've had like one or two where I was a bit like, okay, <laughs> really? No, yeah, but no one that's like horrendous. You know, oh, that's good. Well, everyone everyone gives kind of a respectable answer if it's not fantastic. Okay, that's good. Who who would you say? Uh, mine's Misha Gabriel. Nice. Yeah, Misha. but because uh, you know. A lot of us see him on the level of what we know, what we see in posts. We just see class videos. But if you go back and you look at the people who he's trained with, like, you know, he'll kill a Brian Freeman combo. He's a Russian trained ballet dancer. If you watch him do uh, like Tyler Peck's thing on for Travis mm-hmm. Wall on Dancing with the Stars, I've, I've sessioned with him. I've seen him freestyle. He's, you know, there's not really a, a weakness in his game. Maybe mm-hmm. foundationally, might be but in LA that's not a huge thing you know like they it's kind of new that they're doing that but even still he can do everything to such a high level and Mm -hmm. his choices as a as a dancer to me his his quality of movement he makes death look effortless I remember there's a video of him doing a David Moore combo um I think it's the dream and like you know the combo's good it's a David Moore combo it's a good combo but he just brings an essence to it which is like as soon as he's on I'm like I don't watch anyone else. And then there's yeah. a video that I've actually messaged Marty to try and get this video because it's gone. And it was Marty taught Prince. You got the look at the oh, old wow. millennium. And it's like, it's he does 16 eights, but doubles it like, so he does it twice or something like that. Like it's crazy. That's probably poor maths on me in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's the longest combo ever. And like the choices he makes in the freestyle moments, you're just like, I, I used to watch it religiously and then I went to show someone one day and I couldn't find it. And so I was hitting at Marty, like, you need to find it. Cause I used to watch it every single day for like inspiration. <laughs> one of those like, ones. I'd, be, I'd, I'd literally watch it and be like, I'm going to be that good. Like, you know what I mean? I used to watch it and be like, I want to be that good. And that's why I'm taking class today. That's why I'm struggling. That's why I'm broke. I want to be that good. Mm. So yeah, Misha's my go-to. Nice. That was a good go-to, man. Yeah. I like good yours question. too. That was a good question. Mm, thanks. My, <laughs> I think I bit it off someone and then praised it. it praised it very well. Yeah, I think I bit <laughs> the idea off someone and then made it a bit cooler. Nice, but, but it is where it is, man. Uh, this has been super dope. I feel like I've got to dive into your brain a little bit, and I'm very inspired to go and try and do some polyrhythm training. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, I'm going to try and do your challenge this week at some point. Um, I'll send you my poor, poor, poor efforts of it. And you can do be it. Like, I'm Yo. looking forward to it. Yeah, and you can tell me that's absolute dog shit, and I'll be okay. With it. I don't <laughs> mind. 
I don't wait. want a partition tra- participation trophy. I want <laughs> that is not even close. Do. Yeah, like that is not even close. And then I'll go, okay, I need to get better at this. Um, but no, man, this has been super dope. I really appreciate your time. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon in the sunshine. Thank you, my man. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm on time soon. We'll have another chat. Bro, for sure. And uh, have a great class today. Thank you, mate. One love, man. I wish you all the best. Thank you, Cheers, brother. Bro. Bye. Love, man.